Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from, from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Then he talks about the hatred that's going to come to the disciples, but then he, I want to go down to 26. And he says, but when the helper comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have Jesus' teachings, that we can actually look at what he said to his disciples then, and we can hear what it means for us now. When I read this, Lord, I see that the helper came. This is for us, he's here. Holy Spirit, you are alive. Holy Spirit, you have the, the ability to open eyes, ears, and hearts. So I'm calling on you, Holy Spirit, to do a work in this church this morning. I'm asking you, just like to, to provide fruit, I'm asking you to speak. I'm asking you that, that those in here that would hear what you have to say, that we wouldn't ignore it, that we wouldn't have hard hearts or hard hearing. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to show up and make truth be heard, make truth be seen, and change us with your truth. Now, Lord, help us. Help me. Help me not to mess up what you said. Help me not to overadd or overemphasize anything, Lord. Just help me to speak what you spoke. Jesus, in your name, amen. But uh, here in a second, I want to take you into a testimony, but I wanted to tell my story for a quick minute. Many of you know me, so you know it. But when I read John 15, I see myself in this because I am the fruit of that. You are the fruit of that. We are, the, all of us that, that know Jesus Christ, all of us that are in Christ came from this. This is our beginning. These guys heard Jesus say it. Of course, you guys know he dies, he resurrects. They go up into an upper room. They wait, 120 people. Out of that 120 people, we are from that. Someone told someone, someone discipled someone, someone shared Christ with someone, and that fruit has abided all the way to you and I. So when I was a young guy, I was raised in a church, heard about Jesus from pastors and preachers and leaders who were abiding. My mom and dad became Christians. They taught us. So I was the guy at about eight or nine years old, I gave my life to the Lord in the sense of, Lord, I repent of my sin, I see you. But then all the way through my teenage years, I, I, he was, I was interested in him, but he wasn't really the Lord of my life. And I know this sounds complicated, but many of our, our testimonies are like this. But there's a place that I remember, and I'll never forget, and I was thinking about it this morning. At 17 years old, I was a basketball player, and I tore my ACL, tore my knee, 
Basketball was actually above God at that point in my life. And I remember sitting in a tub crying because my future was destroyed. But I knew God well enough to know that he loved me and had a plan for me and had a purpose for me. So at 17, that's when I truly surrendered and said, Lord, you're God. I'm not. You have a plan for me. Show me. Lead me. I'm yours. And out of that prayer from 17 years old, here I am about 26 years later, telling you guys about Jesus Christ. This is part of the plan that he saw when I was in that hot, that hot tub. I have a hot tub now. When I was in that bathtub back then. Okay? So I want you to see, where, where are you in the story? Who told you about Jesus? Who showed you the love of Christ? Maybe you're in here and you're not Christian. Who's talking to you about the Lord? Who's loving you like Jesus would? Now, I want you to take a quick minute and, and, and five minutes or so, and the person you came with, the people you came with, I know the introverts are going to be like, I don't want to talk, and that's fine. And if you don't want to talk, just sit there and look down. That, that's our way of passing. Pass. I don't want to look, right? But right now, take a moment and, and tell the person around you how you came to know Jesus Christ. Go ahead. you. So hopefully you had, I mean, I didn't give you much time here, but keep talking. Share that story. Share that testimony. Now, now I interrupted it. So anyways, we'll move on. <laughs> Guys, this is my friend, Emily. Emily's a little nervous. So everybody like just, just, just love on her a little bit. Let's just, can we do that? Uh, does that help? <laughs> oh gosh, guys. When I was writing this message, like I said, I wanted to bring it back to showing you guys how we all play a part in producing fruit for the kingdom. Um, and just kind of your story, kind of like what my story. Um, and, and Emily's got this really cool story. I'm back on. That I just, that just happened. And so I, when praying about this, I asked her to help me kind of tell this story. And I think it will minister to us. So 
Um, Emily, first off, how long have you been at Cobblestone? Um, where's the sign? Um, like six, I think six years. Six so, years? Yeah. We had twins in that time, so a few years are a little blurry, but I think about... Twins yeah. will do that. Yep. So. Um, how long have you been a Christian? Um, over 12 years now. So I got saved at 19. So I'm 32 for those trying to do the math. So I know I would be... You're not supposed to, to tell your age. That's, You're a woman. Uh, we don't do that. It's a guy thing. Um, all right. So if, if, if you're comfortable and you, yeah. I, can, I can keep asking questions or nope. you can just take over. Bring it on. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I went back home to visit my family. Um, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana area. And um, just my family's going through some things. So just up there, honestly, like I was kind of anxious to even go. But I'm there. And one night, my um, I kind of refer to her as my sister-in-law, but they're not married. My twin brother, um, his longtime fiance, they have a family together. They've been engaged like, I don't even know, eight years or whatever. And so she's been a close friend of mine for nine years. She's been in the family. And she pulls me aside, and she's like, I got to talk to you. And now this girl, she grew up in an atheist home, um, rough childhood, lots of abuse, neglect. Um, I mean, literally taught from day one that God isn't real. And that kind of sprung her into um, just a lot of hard years. She got wrapped up in drugs and just bad men and and all these things. So she's, um, and she's come so far. I'm so proud of her. She's cleaned her life up. She's a wonderful mom. But she, yeah, so she just has no idea about the Lord. And so for the last nine years, my sister and I love Jesus, and we've been praying for this girl, um, and she's a a sister to us. But she, um, we've just met her where she is. I mean, even in the last nine years, like, she got wrapped up. And so she, for a hot minute there, she was, like, looking into Buddhism and I mean, kind of just through all that, it's like, okay, Lord, just, I'm just going to meet her where she is, love her where she is, pray for her, um, and she even, I mean, she saw us go through, both of us have had kind of traumatic miscarriages and grief, and so we, I mean, I shared Jesus with her through those moments, um, of course, so um, anyway, so three weeks ago, I'm home, she pulls me aside, and she's like, I got to share something with you. Um, she's like, you know, I grew up in an atheist home. I've never believed that God loves us, that he, I, that he's even real, that he speaks, that he wants to get hold of us. She's like, but I, he is like trying to get my attention and just like proceeds to tell me several just moments and these just beautiful encounters with the Lord that she's been having in the last like several weeks. Um, so it was just, it was awesome. I was like, control your face. Cause I was like, so caught <laughs> off guard. Um, like don't have cool, but, um, but she, so we proceeded to have this, like, beautiful conversation, and uh, my sister and I had the honor of just, like, leading her um, to just accepting Christ into our heart. Um, I know, which was, like, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I know, which was such a cool gift, um, such a cool gift to be a part of, a part of that. But, um, you know, and at the end of all that, she, I kept saying, I was fired up. I said, how do you feel? What's going on? And she's like, I just feel, I feel so light, um, I feel like a veil like has been covering me and it's been lifted and we know that that's scripture unknown to her. She's never opened a Bible. Um, I know. I know she's never, I don't even know that she's been in a church. So, um, so that was cool. But, but a couple things that struck me at the end of all this is she's like, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't surprise me. Um, This doesn't shock me. I've always admired you guys and respected you guys. Um, So this isn't shocking me that this is happening 
And right then the Lord's like, that, that's like you, that's me and you that she's been drawn to. Like, that's not Katie or that's not my sister or I, we're not that great. Like, she's, that's the Lord that she's been seeing. And the Lord has just really dropped in my spirit this week that like, as a believer, the non-believers in our life should see Jesus in us no matter, you know, if, if they don't realize what they're seeing in us is Jesus. And so it was just really cool moment to be a part of, but um, kind of in addition to that, another cool part of this is the timing of this. My, um, her mom's not in her life, so she's very close to my mom. And about six weeks ago, my mom had kind of about the same time the Lord started just like showing up to her. Um, my mom had appendicitis like right before cancer or right before Christmas, and she ended up getting, um, I don't know, at her post-surgery appointment, they ended up finding cancer inside her appendix, um, which at that point was out of her body, but it was burst open, so now these cancer cells are just, like, floating everywhere, um, and it's a really, so yeah, so she was diagnosed with this, like, incredibly rare form of appendix cancer. It's, like, one in a million, um, and it's been a pretty, um, to be blunt, it's been a really morbid diagnosis, um, and it's been hard. It's been heavy. It's shocking, um, and so as my family has kind of grappled with this um, and processed this, like, it's, never been a heavier season in my family, but we've never seen the Lord move like he's moving in my family and the fruit that's being produced that he's producing. And so it's just given us such a sweet hope of what's to come. Um, and so I share that to say, like, he has purpose in the hard seasons. Um, there's fruit still getting produced in the hard seasons. Um, yeah. And so, and it's even since then, Shana has shared, um, with my brother, like, what she's learning in the Bible, and he's been receptive with my mom, with my dad, so it's just been such a shift is going on, so um, it's just in an otherwise pretty crappy season, to be honest, like, he's just given me such a hope of for what's to come, so. Excellent. Yeah, praise God, so. Well, before I let you go, I want you to pray for everyone in this audience that has a loved one that they're praying for, a, one, a loved one that they're believing for. Okay. Just, if you don't mind, I know, I, just pray, that's fine. pray fire. Um, I, I'll try, um, that's like a lot of pressure, but no, um, one thing actually that reminded me, um, and this was an encouragement to me, so I want to share that um, with you guys, so my sister is um, a believer, and she's wonderfully diligent in her prayer for salvation for my family, to be honest, much more so than I've been. And she, um, so at the end of that night of just Shana accepting the Lord into her heart, my sister said, I've known you for nine years and I've prayed for you every single day for nine years. And what an answer prayer this is. But what was cool was to see Shana's response to this. And she was just like blown away. She said, thank, I mean, she was just blown away. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for not stopping. Thank you just your consistency. Um, because, I mean, that's eternity, that someone's eternity on the line. And so it was an encouragement to me to kind of step up my game um, and be more diligent with praying for salvation for people. So, yeah. So, Lord, I just thank you um, just so much that you got a hold of Shana and that yes. I got to be a part of that. Lord, what an opportunity. Um, and I thank you for the hope that it's given my family. Um, and I just pray for all of us here, Lord, that you would just um, just remind us of the importance of prayer for salvation, um, Lord, that let's not grow weary in that. Let's not just grow tired of it, Lord, that we would just seek after you um, and just intercede for these people in our lives that don't fully know you, Lord. Um, Lord, I know that if you can get a hold of her, you can get a hold of her, like you can get a hold of anybody, Father, um, and I'm believing for that. So just keep giving us um, just encouragement in that. Um, help us keep 
just asking and seeking for that, Lord. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Emily. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. See, isn't that cool? And you know, what I wanted you guys to kind of see is, is Emily um, doesn't work for a church. She's not a pastor. She's not full-time ministry. Uh, her sister-in-law accepted Christ, not on an altar call, not in a service, but in a home. And, and there's so much that I want you to see with that because you, one of the things we're trying to do more than ever this year is equip the body for the work of ministry. You are the, the laborers. You are the light. You are the salt. And we that lead this church want to equip you. We want to help you grasp that. We want, you to, we want to help you think like Emily and know that you can do this in Christ with the right learning, with the right discipleship. You can do this, guys. So I wanted you to see that. All right, so now I'm going to unpack and preach at you a little bit, if that's okay, and uh, take a look. Go back to uh, John 15, if you've closed your Bible, open that back up. But there's the scripture in Hebrews 10, and I'm going to do this. I think Emily kind of helped us, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to double down on it. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So now I'm going to preach at you from John 15. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not deep diving John 15. It is so much we could probably preach for months on it. I'm going to, I'm going to cut through some stuff. I'm going to take some highlights from it. The big idea is really is we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about fruit. We're going to talk about pruning. We're going to talk about abiding. Uh, and if time is allowed, we may get into talking about love there at the end. Um, but we'll see. So, <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to turn my Bible over here. One through three. John 15, one through three. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Talking to his disciples there about them being clean through what he has said. Um, I want you to look at this. The fruit of a tree or vine is the end product of all that it has done with what it has consumed. I don't know. Do we have that up there? Did, I, did we put those definitions in there? Hey, look at that, guys. We're getting special now. The fruit of a tree or vine is the end product of all that it has done with what it has consumed, what it has taken in through the roots and the foliage. That's what produces fruit. Now, before I get into teaching too much about, I think, a couple different fruits I want to talk about, I do want to not skip over the tough stuff. Jesus, man, he says it. And so I want you to look at, he says, every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire. So when you got saved and when I got saved, we got saved to a purpose. You didn't just get saved to sit. There was a call on you. You got born again into a purpose. And the purpose is to produce fruit. The purpose is to produce King Jesus-like fruit on this earth. 
It's, it's the whole idea of being Christian. We're in Christ, so we live like Christ, so we do what Christ wants us to do. But, but you've you got to understand, there's a warning here. There's a warning with Christ, and it is a bit scary. There's an expectation that is, if it's not done, there's consequences. Jesus talks about this. He says, the people that don't produce any fruit, he even says, the ones in me that aren't doing it, they get cut off. And later in verse 6, he says, they get thrown into a fire. Now, there's a, there's a lot of doctrinal debate, and I do not want to enter into that about what this exactly means. Is he talking hell? Is he talking just being useless? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. But I will say this. To not produce fruit is dangerous. And everybody in this church that says they're a Christian, you should have a desire to produce fruit. You should have a desire to see God produce fruit in you, through you. And so we'll go into that. But I want you to look. Jesus talks a lot about fruit. Flip over to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 17 through 20. Now, he's warning about false prophets, but once again, he's telling us how you can tell them. Um, we'll go up with 15. Beware of false prophets, 715. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their what? Their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Again, consequences to not producing fruit. Not good consequences. Okay? Now, look over at Matthew 13 with me. Just a couple pages over. Matthew 13. This is the, the seed parable. And uh, we're not going to go into the whole seed parable, but Jesus, again, Matthew 13, 23 says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed... He indeed bears what? Fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and another 30. Now, if you go through the seed parable, here's the problem. He talks about this, like the seeds being sown. The first one gets stole by the birds, which is the devil. Second one gets choked out, uh, persecution and tribulation. The third one is cares of the world or the seedfulness of riches. People hear about Jesus. People start to follow Jesus. And somewhere along the line, it gets stolen. They, they give up because it gets too hard or they have to believe in something that culture says is, is, is not okay and so they're going to bow out. Right now, we're seeing that. I see that like crazy with sexuality and stuff. Christians like crazy. Oh man, big famous people backing away. I'm going to shy away from the word of God. Oh, culture scares me. Tribulation persecution. Then there's another group that gets choked out, cares of the world or deceitfulness of riches. That takes time. That takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. What's working on you? What's attacking you right now? What's trying to stop you from producing godly fruit? What's eating at you? 
okay? But look at the last one. The seed falls on good soil, and what's the good soil do? It produces 30, 60, and 100. That's the Father's desire with everybody that's in Christ in this room. He has a purpose for you, and it's not to live your best life. It's to obey, submit, surrender, and to produce fruit for the King and fruit for the Father. It's clear in Scripture. And when we get that idea that we're a part of something bigger, we're a part of John 15, and God's wanting to do something in us and through us, it gives us so much more uh, understanding that this, is, this isn't about us. And we can do the things that God has called us to do. Okay? Now, John 15. Now I'm going to preach to the believers here. I, I hope you guys don't feel too scolded, but I don't want to skip it. I, I told Heather this all the time. I'm like, I'm not going to skip over. Just because if Jesus gives a warning, we need to hear it. The seeker-sensitive age of the church has ruined the, the modern church today. And it's like this whole idea, like, I can't tell you anything hard because nobody's going to come. Well, that's just not Christ. He speaks truth. He wasn't trying to sell anything. He's trying to get you to be born again and into the kingdom and live right. Anyways, that's my soapbox. All right, look at John 15 again. Flip back there if you can. John 15, I want you to look at a couple different things at the very beginning there. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, okay? Uh, and then he says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Now, I think everybody in here needs to hear this. This will help your walk with Christ. Sometimes you think, what did I do wrong? Why is life so hard? Why'd this happen? Sometimes as, a, as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, pruning is a guarantee. Did you notice that? It doesn't say pruning might happen. Everyone that's in me, pruning does happen. So as a Christian, take a breath. Pruning is going to happen. And when I say pruning, if you're not a horticulture person, pruning means getting cut, getting, getting cut back, getting dealt with, okay? There's, there's two kinds of fruits um, that I want to talk about before I go deeper into the pruning. There's the internal fruit. Did you know that, because I want, sometimes I get, when I get talking about producing fruit and pruning and all these different things, you can get the idea that you're like, I haven't led someone to Jesus this week, right? So I haven't produced any fruit. Look, I love it if you did lead someone to Jesus, that'd be great. But I want you to talk, I want to talk about Galatians 5.22. Take a peek at that with me. Galatians 5.22 through 26. I got it. I got it. Galatians. Do I not have it? Did I not give it to you guys? Oh. I know I have my Bible, but I'm not sure I have it marked in my Bible, to be honest with you. I was kind of anticipating it being there, but we can do this. Galatians 5 is, is a book that I read a lot. Um, and study a lot. I'll probably have to mark this for next service, but you know what? I can just preach around it. Hey, whoa! We're getting there, aren't we, guys? It's early. 
Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit, now we all know this, right? He just goes through this big list of talks about all these, these, these fruits of the flesh and all these different things. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong, look at this, those who belong in Christ or to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking each other or, or, or envying each other. Now, I don't want to, like I said, I didn't want to tarry long there because there's, I did want to talk about two fruits that he's talking about, two expectations. When you meet Jesus, there's an internal change that will actually influence your external walk. So the, uh, other, elsewhere, God actually does warn about people who prophesy in his name and do this and do this, and he's like, you never knew me. So just to talk about external, we can end up being religious very quickly. So we must talk about the internal fruit. So, so through the Holy Spirit that has been given, that we see in John 15, John 16, you'll see the Holy Spirit's given. His work in you and in me is to make us Christ-like. He's changing us. He's doing that. And then we work with him to crucify our flesh and walk in the Spirit. So then when you're walking in the Spirit, you start to produce the things that Jesus would want you to produce, okay? So there's an internal change. Has anybody ever felt that? Are you guys in that right now? Raise your hand if you feel like the Lord is changing you on the inside. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, it's good to see. Isn't that? It's good that He's working on us on the inside. It's good that He's changing us. Now, out of that internal work, I want you to look at the external work, okay? Okay? John 15, 5. John 15, 5. I'm just going to flip there now, guys. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So God wants you to produce fruit. And, and he, he's doing it through the internal work that comes external. That's Jesus' work on the inside that changes you on the outside. Then Matthew 28, 16 through 20, I want you to take a look at that with me. I know I got a lot of scriptures at you. Matthew 28, this is Great Commission, okay? Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, look at that, teaching them to observe. What we're doing today, what I'm doing today, what I'm trying to do today is John 15 is teaching you to observe all that God has commanded because that was important. That's doctrine. That's what the disciples did. You need to know what he said to walk the way you're supposed to walk, okay? I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, okay? So those are the two kinds of fruits that are, that are, that are internal external. Um, he's doing a good work. Now, I want to go back to this will probably bear more witness with many of you because you're like, you're like, help me, Jeremiah. Help me. I get all this. Help me. I'm in Christ. I'm trying. I understand I'm supposed to produce fruit, but my life is taking a turn for this or a turn for that. So every branch that is in Christ, I'm coming back to that, is, been, is being pruned. Now, look, John Piper, if we could put the Piper quote up there, 
Piper has a really good um, ability to <laughs> explain stuff. And I was, I was joking, I was thinking, you know, when you're like hearing a Piper explanation or whatever, it's like you, instead of getting sniped, you got piped. Is that cool or what? That's kind of clever. No? It gets a laugh half the time. All right, <laughs> let's get piped. All right, pruning means cut. The branches are being cared for to make them maximally fruitful, both by internal life flowing to us from the vine and by the vine dresser, who with his very painful scissors or saw cuts us, hurts us, so that by these painful providences in life, we experience the fullest possible impact of the inner life of Christ. Yeah, that's deep, right? But, you, but, but, we're, but every Christian in this room, if you've been Christian for a little while, will go through this pruning experience. And you got to understand this. you got to get this. This will help you. Pruning means cut. Now, look, the branches are being cared for. The whole goal is to get more fruit, both by the internal life flowing. That means Jesus is caring for you, that internal fruit of the Spirit. He's guarding you. He's loving you. He's nurturing you. You don't feel despair. You don't feel overwhelming depression. It's not like that. It's, it's like hardship happens, but you still feel loved. You still feel cared for because Christ does that. And in him, that's what he does. Okay? both by internal life flowing to us from the vine and by the vine dresser. Now, the vine dresser Jesus addresses is the Father, okay? So what is, what, is, what, is, what is going on here? So what I'm saying, what Piper's saying, is circumstances are going to happen in your life that are out of your control, and they're, the whole hope, the whole goal is it hurts you. It might change your course. It might change the way you think. It might change the, what, what's happening, or, but the whole goal is that you produce more fruit, Christian. Okay? It's actually love. It's actually God's grace doing something in and through you that you cannot do on your own. Pruning is a guarantee. And I know many Christians in this church that have been pruned to be even in this church. Hard times, difficult situations. But they didn't go further from God, they went deeper into Him. They learned a hard times, difficult situations. They learned how to trust God in a way that they've never been able to trust God. They've seen something, they've felt something internally that even, even if it's a bad diagnosis, hardship, a loss of a loved one, job situation, ministry situation, they dove so deep into the Lord. Now they're stronger they're more, they're, more, uh, they're more trusting, they have more faith, they're more purified, their witness is stronger and more loud than ever, and here's the best part. They're going to produce more fruit. You get pruned. I get pruned. The fact that I'm at Cobblestone is from a pruning. I thought I was supposed to be in this one church, this one place, and I was producing fruit. I was doing everything that God wanted me to do. I'm submitting, I'm serving, I'm doing all these things. I'm using my gifts and talents for the kingdom. And, and, and unbeknownst to me, from circumstances way outside of me, stuff happened to rearrange my path. And now I end up at Cobblestone about seven years ago. Getting to become better friends with Andrew and becoming an elder, serving. 
God changed it because I thought, no, Lord, this is where I need to produce fruit. And the father says, no. And he chopped something. He cut something. He pruned something and said, no, go here. So now I'm here. And, 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 and now guess what? I'm here to produce fruit. That's cool. It's actually okay. It was a hard season. It was a dark season. I had to grow through some things. I had to work through some unforgiveness. I had to deal with some stuff. That's what pruning does. But man, on the other side, I'm glad I went through it. I'm glad I went through it. Now, I want you to hear this from me because you'll, sometimes we mistake pruning for chastisement. And sometimes it is. I will say, sometimes it is. But not all pruning is chastisement. Chastisement means you're living in a sinful way and God wants to change it. You may not think it's sin, you may think you're okay, but God wants to correct. I got chastised with my money back, uh, I own a business and I was mishandling money. Not in some evil, crazy way, but just not being wise, right? Not being a great steward. And so what ended up happening is the government through the IRS, through taxes, I got chastised, and I, I, I felt it, and the Lord gave me a way out. So then he ta- taught me Dave Ramsey, and so I changed the way I handle my money, okay? So that was, a, that, was, that was for me getting pruned or chastised to change the behavior that I was doing. Some of you are in that. Some of you, God, is, he loves you. He chastises those whom he loves. He is working on you to change something, to correct something. Best way to get out of chastisement is humble yourself and do it. Obey surrender. Don't fight. Don't be like, ah, just say yes, Lord. Another thing with the pruning, I would encourage you guys all to do this. Like if you're in a season where you just don't know if it's a pruning, a chastisement, you're like, Lord, you know, God is not a God of mystery. He doesn't want you just sitting around. He doesn't want his kids just sitting around thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? He really doesn't. He's eager to explain himself. He's eager to help you understand what he's doing. So what happens is you got to go spend time with him and say, Lord, what are you doing? What do I need to learn from this? What do I need to grow from this? What is my takeaway from this? I'm not mad at you. I trust you as the good father. I trust that you know best, and I'm going to just surrender to you. Where do, what, do I, what do I take away? Teach me. Every time I've been in pruning season or chastising season, if I go to the Lord in a humble spirit and say, teach me, show me what I need to learn, you know what? He, he talks. He teaches. He brings help. He's faithful. He doesn't leave us high and dry. It's not your job to figure it all out. It's your job to surrender. It's your job to submit. It's your job to follow. Okay? So chastising and 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 pruning aren't always the same. Sometimes what I mean is just to make it more clear for those that, are, I didn't do anything wrong. Why is this going on? That could be pruning. I didn't do anything wrong. I, I, I can't find a sin area. Well, that's okay because God wants to change something. So then spend time with him saying, Lord, where are you pruning me? What are you doing here? I think you want more fruit from my life. Where? Show me how. And once again, enter into a surrender and a brokenness. Okay. Now, John 15, if we go down a little bit further, now I'm going to unpack the abide the best I can. Like I said, John 15 had layers of of truth in it, guys. So like I said, I couldn't deep dive everything I wanted to, but it's just do the best I can with what I got. So John 15, verse 4. Okay, now, 
Let's just read 4 through 11 and then let me talk through it. Um, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that. It's good. Um, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, withers and the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay? Abide in this segment, in this text, it text is used eight times. So it's, it's, it's a word we need to pay attention to. May not be a word that you use often. I don't find myself going around saying abide often, but it is a word in this text that, that the Lord Uh, is speaking about, and we need to understand it. So I want you to hear this. Abide, the word itself, means to remain or stay. So when you look at John 15 and the abiding he's talking about, it means to remain or stay. It's a verb. It's active. It's not a feeling or a belief, but something we do. It's deeper than, I believe in Jesus. People that are abiding in Jesus are not just believing in Jesus, they're walking like Jesus. They're talking like Jesus. They're loving like Jesus. They're doing what Jesus did when he was down here on this earth. And you know what he did so often? He was going to the Father. He was pursuing the Father, and he was pursuing lost and hurt and broken people. That's abiding. That right there, in and of itself, demands fruit. I promise you, if you sit in here and you say, I'm a Christian, Jeremiah, and I want to produce fruit in my life, if you learn to grasp, abide, you will produce fruit. The hope is first that you want to produce fruit. That's the hope. The second is, I'm not, I don't know my Bible well, I can't quote it well. Hey, that's not what he's saying. He doesn't say memorize everything. No, everything. Understand everything. No, he's teaching us to produce fruit in our lives is about who we seek way more than what we're doing. Who we're pursuing, who we're listening to, who we're submitting to. And it's a daily thing. Jesus talks all the time about daily, doesn't he? He's all the time, Lord's Prayer, daily pick up your cross. Food for the, for the day, as, as David was giving us the Lord's Prayer. It's a daily thing. And your abiding and my abiding has to be daily for it to be effective to produce fruit. And believe me, God, the Father wants us to produce fruit. You with me? Three of us, we're we're tracking? All right. We'll get four here in a minute. Whew. Oh, man, I love it. So John Piper again says this. Hour by hour abiding in Jesus means hour by hour trusting him to meet all your needs and be your treasure. Hour by hour. 
minute by minute. Develop this. Some of you are feeling right now probably a little bit of condemnation that you're like, I don't hang out with God like that. Don't be condemned. Be challenged. Be encouraged. Talk to the Father. Say, Lord, I want to walk with you like that. I want to abide with you like that. I want you to be, I want to be so in tune with you that I can hear you at all the times. Here's the idea. You're being like Christ. It's what he was. That's who he was. He abided. Okay? All right. What do you see? I'm unpacking abide a little bit more. What do we see in, in or find in abiding or staying in Christ? There's a few things here that I think that, that are worth talking about that I see in this text when it comes to abiding in Christ. Verse 5. I want you to look at that. 15.5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Bearing fruit is, is, is what the, the outcome of abiding happens. With understanding their fruit is all, it, it's all God's doing. Now, I, yeah, I got to get this. You got to get this one. Got to make sense of this. With the understanding that fruit is all God's doing. It's now, now, yeah, I hope you get this. This is why this, Andrew, thanks. But uh, anyways, John 15 is tough. But, but, but you got to get this because this is so good. And I'm not going to lay off until we get it. Five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Okay, who are you in this, in this verse? Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, Christians. Whoever, that's whoever, it's not just disciples, there it is again, Andrew talked about it last, last uh, chapter. Whoever abides, presses in, follows, surrenders, in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. It's kind of what I was just telling you, but you got to get this. What you will see with true Christians that are abiding, you won't see pride. What? What are you talking about? You won't see pride. You won't see this idea that, look what I did for God. That's what, one way I can tell if a person's abiding is this. Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. A person that is abiding has come to the realization that apart from Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, they're useless. So they automatically are always giving glory to the Father. They're automatically always saying, God's good. You, you see this in Jesus' life, right? Jesus is perfect. He is awesome. But they come to him and say, hey, good teacher. No, nobody, I'm not good. The Father's good. Everything he did was in humility to the Father and submission. One way I can smell out a person that's prideful or selfish or trying to look for their own accolades or get religious, they might be producing fruit. But it's not godly fruit, and it's not done with this because they start to think, I can do it without him. If you start to think you can produce fruit on this earth without God, I assure you, you are not producing godly fruit. You need him. Every day, every minute, I need him. You need him. That's the point of the abide. And then you just have this spiritual thing where you're like, look what God's done in my life. I didn't do it. Oh, you're a real good businessman. You made a lot of money. No, look what God's done in my life. Oh, you built a big church. There's a lot of people that love Jesus through your ministry. No, look what God's done in my life. Your kids love Jesus. It's so good. What tells how good of a parent you are? No, look what God has done in my life. That's the fruit of abiding. And if you don't have that, change your heart. Because you could end up looking at the father one day and he's like, 
You did a lot, but you didn't do it through me, so it won't last. Pride is a dangerous thing. Religion's a dangerous thing. And boy, there's a lot of people. Look, I mean, I, I know Dave and I talk a lot about worship people. Look how good I can sing. People weep when I sing. Not me. <laughs> no, they actually might cry when I sing. That might actually be the ticket. But man, I've been in and around church my whole life, and I watch this, and I start to see, I don't want to see it in this church. Who are you and who am I? We're just servants abiding in him, and he's going to do good things through us. Isn't that good? Oh, God, help us. So hopefully you got that. Abiding, the long and short is this. It's all his credit. It's all his praise. It's all his faithfulness. It's all his provision. It's all his. Abiding keeps you humble. Abiding keeps you humble. Verse seven and eight. Verse seven and eight. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is, Andrew talked about this a little bit last, uh, on the last chapter, and it is tricky because you see this, this, this thing he says, like almost like ask, and it's going to be guaranteed. And he taught really well about that. But, but there's something about abiding and asking that I want you to see that goes beyond the promise of prayer. Jesus' words become who you are. You get closeness to the Father and the Holy Spirit. You get intimacy this is what I really think is the big idea. You get close to God. He said this last week in 14. The, it's inviting the Father and the Son into your house. You get close with them. And when you're close with them, there's a power and a confidence in your prayer life that happens. In abiding, we pray, we ask God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Listen, here it is again. It goes to the last point. In abiding, we pray, we ask, we ask God, the Father, to do for us what we cannot for ourselves. You know what you cannot do for yourself? Bear fruit. There it is again. Bear fruit. You can't change this world without Him. You can't. God is glorified by prayer. Listen to this. This is the, this is the prayer in and of itself is, is speaking a thing. God is glorified by prayer because it is an open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. It is. The more you pray, the more you say, I depend on you, God. Do you guys understand that? Now, I'm not sitting here beating up all your prayer lives, but sometimes we don't pray because we don't believe he can do anything. People that believe God can do something pray all the time because they know it changes things. The more you pray... The more you, 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 you say, God, I can't do it, you can. The more you're surrendered to his purpose, you just say, I, uh, someone, you, you, you get a bad situation at work, bad situation in marriage, bad situation, and you just instantly go to prayer. Why? Because you're needy and you're pathetic? No. You go to prayer because you trust God to do something about it. And you're a Christian and you saw your Savior do it all the time, praying. Praying, praying, fasting, praying, spending time with the Father. We are Christians. We follow Him. John 15, that's what we do. God is glorified by prayer because it is an open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. 
Prayer is the turning away from ourselves to God in confidence that he will provide the help we need. Amen? Amen. All right, verse 10. Make sure there's no clock back here. 10, 15, we're okay. Verse 10. I'm about to land this plane. Don't worry. This madness will stop. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. When we abide, we desire his love. Uh, and I, I wrote it this way. We desire his love, so we keep his commandments. There's this, it sounds so weird and almost crazy when God's like, those who, those, those who believe me or those who obey me are my friends. Just does. If I do that with my friends, you guys are probably thinking I'm a narcissist, right? The people that actually do what I tell them, those are my friends. Well, I can't get away with it because I'm not perfect and I'm not the creator. But God can. He can get away with saying that because here's what he knows. He knows best. He always has and he always will. He knows what's best for you, your relationships, your mind, your thoughts, your body. He knows best. So when he says it, he's like, if you do what I command, I know that you're trusting me that I know best. And that brings you into my friendship. Okay? We desire his love so we keep his commands like he kept the Father's. Now, I want to speak to something else too because it's under attack constantly. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. There's an idea right now that you can love people and detach it from truth. If God says living with your girlfriend is sin, if God says homosexuality is sin, if God says uh, cheating on your taxes is sin, I'm going to hit everybody. If God says drunkenness is sin. If God says these, if God says having adultery, idolatry, other gods, if he says these things are sin and you say you love God and you can detach from truth, this verse is your bread and butter. It's not, it's not truth then. I'm going to read it again in light of just, I want you to hear this. You got to hear, we got to hear this. Christians today need to hear this. If you keep my commandments... Do you know Jesus was at the beginning? Do you know Jesus is the fulfillment of the law? Do you know Jesus believes the Old Testament? Do you know Jesus is the fulfillment of all the commandments of the Father? Jesus has commandments. Jesus has the right way to live and behave and marry and do these things. He just does. And we need to be, we need to be gentle and kind. And I honestly have friends, all those things I listed off, I have friends that struggle with all of that. So don't. Don't hear Jeremiah beating on anybody. But I will say this, in the times that I've been in ministry, I always feel this when someone comes up and says, do you love me? Well, I love you, but I got to tell you the truth. Because if I'm not telling you the truth, I'm not loving you. Because there's a heaven and a hell. There's a deceiver out there. And I will answer to this guy, this wonderful savior of mine. I have to warn. I have to speak truth. So no truth, guys. Know the commandments of the Lord. And he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Something else that comes from the abide is in, in that verse 11, that his joy gets in you. When you start to pursue God like he, like Jesus pursued the Father and live in the total abide, you will find joy. 
I can't explain it. I don't think it's possible to explain. But there's something about finding joy in doing, and it, it, it's purpose. It's, it's hope, it's strength, it's blessing. We abide, we receive his joy, and our joy becomes full. And, and, and so one of the things is, I would just encourage you guys, sometimes just ask this question. If your joy is not full, maybe ask, are you spending time with the Lord like you, are, you should be? I mean it. Read that scripture, throw it back at him. Say, Lord, I don't have joy. I'm, I'm grudgingly following you. I'm wore out, I'm fatigued, I don't have any joy. And I read in scripture, in your own words, you said that I'm supposed to have joy and it'll be full. What's the deal? And go spend time with him. Talk to him. Ask the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you, Christian. Stir up the joy, Holy Spirit. I don't know, I don't feel it. Talk to him. Spend time with him. Okay? I'm going to close with this. John 15, 12 through 17, there's a lot of talking about the love. And we need love. These things I command you so that you will love one another. 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Another sign that you're not abiding, 100%. And I know this is under attack in me all the time, is the lack of love for one another. A lack of love for the body, lack of love for non-believers, lack of love for believers, for the body. That's a sign that I need to hang out with the Father. A lot of people see me and they think, oh man, you're just a gushy guy, right? Cry a lot. <laughs> yeah, cry a lot. Soft. They do see that, although I didn't preach super soft here, but they do. All right, I hear this. And if I'm 100% honest with you as an elder of Cobblestone, you know how often I spend my day uh, when I drive over here begging, begging God to give me love for you guys? Because here's the truth. Just like in the Bible, I know I don't have it in me. It has to be supernatural love given to me from the Father for you, for me to even be an effective elder. I can't do it. I'm a mess. I'm a human. I'm depleted. I'm drinking of the same cup. I'm telling you guys, go to the Father. He will pour out into you. And that's what I tell him. Lord, I'm an elder. I'm a leader. I'm a servant. And I don't have enough love. Give me more. More love, Lord. More love, Lord. More love, Lord. What's that look like? John 13, 34 through 35. Actually, skip that part. Go to Matthew 24. I wanted to, I wanted to finish this. And worship team, you can go ahead and come. Matthew 24. This is Jesus talking again. And he's talking to his disciples in a different place in a different time. But the, the question was put upon him, how are we going to know when the end will come? And we're going to skip down a little bit, but this is all in the same warning, guys, of love. That this is the reality I think we're living in right now. And I think some of you are just going to, I'm going to drop you off in worship, and I think if I'm honest, you may just say, hey, Lord, soften my heart, I need more love. But anyways, he goes down here and he says, all, verse 8, he says, all these, 24, 8, all these are part of the beginning of the birth pains. All these are, part, are but the beginning of birth pains. Talking about when he's about to return, so on and so forth. Then look at nine. 
Then they will deliver you, talking to his disciples and other disciples, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. A big fall away. Look at this. And betray one another and hate one another. And, they, and, and, and then many will fall away. That means they were following. They were in. And then betray one another and then hate one another. And he says, and many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, this is the warning, the love of many will grow cold. We are in the day, I believe, that lawlessness is increased. The world is cockeyed. Things are upside down. If you don't have to be a theologian or deep into your Bible to look around, turn on your news, turn on, look at your TikToks if you do that, and say, this world's nuts. It's broken. It's crazier than it's ever been. And this is what I think. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Is your love growing cold? Is my love growing cold? But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel to the, of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Be careful that your love hasn't grown cold. If it has, abide. Go to the Father. Receive help. Receive help. So I'm going to drop you off here, and there'll be some prayer teams. But I want you to, to just kind of, if, if you want to recap, here's the thought. Are you fruitful? How's your fruit? Are you in a pruning season or a chastising season? Pray about it. Spend time with the Lord. Let him talk to you. Are you abiding? And if not, just, Father, forgive me for not abiding. And then are you losing your love? And any, any one of those, the best place to start is, Lord, forgive me and help me. It's that simple. It's that powerful. It's that beautiful. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. I pray this word sinks into our soul. I pray that we can walk like you desire us to walk. I pray we can fulfill the purpose that we have been put in and on under you. Help every person in here to go home and know they have purpose, that they would surrender, they would abide, they would love well, they would do all those things, Jesus, that you just tell us to do there in those verses. Help us as a church to come together and submit, surrender to your word. Bless my friends, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Give us a good week and a good day. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.